Welcome to A Photographer's Life. The channel that takes you behind the curtain into the world of professional architectural photography. Join us now for an episode with some of America's premier architectural photographers. Today's broadcast comes from a recent Zoom meeting of the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This discussion is led by AIAP Director Alan Blakely. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. Now, on with the show. I'd like to welcome everyone to the March AIAP Zoom meeting. And our topic this morning is effective marketing and networking. And this was one topic that came up again and again when I asked for responses last month after our meeting as to what you'd like to talk about. And it brought me back to um, an ASMP meeting that I went to. I think it was probably 1984. It was the same topic, but the uh, recommendations were to be in Photographer's Black Book and to be in American Showcase and to have a really great physical portfolio to take around and one that was actually mailable and and, and FedEx was um, a big deal at the time. So you could actually get your portfolio to somebody overnight <laughs> in, in, you know, the special lightware case that you buy. And, uh, and then the other things they talked about were um, uh, cold calling and having a leave behind and portfolio reviews. And then the big one was the yellow pages advertising. So we're in a different world now. <laughs> and uh, I'm so thankful for that. And direct mail. Um, I don't know how many of you ever used agency access. That was an expensive proposition where you got the names of, of creative directors and art directors in advertising agencies and things like that. And then also being an affiliate member of things like AIA, ASID, IIDA. Um, I, I don't know that SMPS was even on the radar at that time for most of us, but it's a different world now. And so I'd kind of like to talk about maybe the hierarchy of what's important marketing wise and what's working for you and what you feel is uh, essential right now. And so I kind of like to open it up as to uh, where your marketing efforts are right now and, and where you're putting your money and your time as far as marketing. Anybody want to jump in on that? Um, I joined uh, AIA uh, Connecticut as an allied member in 2018. Um, the beginning of 2018, I was, you needed to be sponsored by two architects. So two of my clients were gracious enough to sponsor me. And it has been an absolute goldmine. It's unlike being, I mean, ASMP is terrific. I'm a past president. I'm still on the board. I've been on the board since like so long that I'm probably illegal, uh, like 2007, I think. Okay. And that is hugely important and valuable to me, but it's yeah. talking to the choir. And AIA allows me to meet pre COVID in person and network and interact. And I've grown so many wonderful relationships and also have gotten a tremendous number of clients through that and then referrals from them because you know if if you sponsor things if you're there if they see you in a professional context um not as a salesperson not as somebody coming into their office or bothering them but just you know buying them a drink at the open bar or you know or at the cash bar during an event or something of that nature and also having your work shown during um, the annual um, kind of celebratory dinner that was in December where they're giving out awards and right. your name is either mentioned or shown, um, it's, it's been priceless. And uh, I've 
you know, the cost for me is I think $499 a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm on uh, two of the committees. So currently I'm one of the committees and it's just, uh, it's, it's been great. And the people are wonderful. Um, and they become friends. Uh, and then some of the friends have become clients and some haven't. So it, it just depends, but it's, it's, it's wonderful in that respect. Can I ask a question about that, Carl? Certainly. Um, on on that, are you the only photographer um, in your organization in, yep. in the AIA? Okay. In Connecticut um, chapter, I, currently I am the only one. Uh, there was the gentleman that I consider to be the number one go-to person in, in the state and region. Um was a member for years and about two years ago, I think he dropped his membership because he, he needed, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessary anymore for him. Um, and so I became the only photographer there and I just was featured in the March issue of their magazine under the allied spotlight. So I got a full page, which is worth a thousand bucks if I had to pay for it, three photographs and a nice write up that I did with a consultant. And, um, I, it just came out in the last couple of weeks. So I think it's, uh, that's going to be really helpful too, because it's something everybody looks at. They flip through, they see pretty pictures and then yeah, they read about you and, and it's very controlled, but it looks like it's editorial, but it's not, it's really, they solicited this from the allied members and I happen to be chosen to be the one that got in right now, which is the perfect time uh, because all of the spring uh, shooting is being decided now today. Yeah. My, my, in my market, I'm in Las Vegas um, and the AIA here, the last time I looked into it, maybe the rates have changed. I don't know, but it was like a thousand dollars a year. And yeah. And there's already at least two photographers that I know of um, who are members there. So it's just trying to figure out how to navigate that a little bit more. Can I maybe just offer a backdoor um, approach to that sort of thing? Because I know it, it's difficult to be um, an, an allied member of AIA and ASID and IIDA and all these other organizations. Uh, one of the things that I found successful is to to offer, uh, you know, to come and speak or to contribute to their newsletter uh, with with something that's of educational value about how to make the most of your architectural photography budget or how to put together an effective shot list for your architectural photographer, things along that line. It, it, it takes me back to um, David Ogilvy, the famous advertising mm-hmm. man, who uh, his, his philosophy was that the market leader is going to be identified um, as the one who offers to educate the market. And so that's the approach that I've always taken is that if I can offer something that's of educational value, whether it's, you know, in a direct mail piece or a white paper on my website or coming and speaking in person or contributing to a newsletter, that, that that's effective and it's free. And so mm-hmm. I would offer that as maybe a backdoor approach to some of these organizations because I, it's really difficult to affiliate with all of them. I know SMPS in my market is a big um, you know, that's a big decision-making body for, um, those who hire photography and it's, it's uh, full of photographers already. And I've, I've been a member off and on as, as my wife who represents me, 
And it's not terribly effective for us to actually just show up at their gatherings and, you know, and try to schmooze and, and become friends. We're, we're a lot better off if we try to contribute something. So anyway, my two cents. <laughs> can, I, can I respond to that, Alan? Um, because of my membership uh, with AIA Connecticut, uh, the first year I did the trade show, so I had a trade show booth, mm -hmm. all my photography. Um, they asked me to bring my drones. So I had three of them on display and I actually flew the phantom inside the hall to okay. demonstrate it. We had it cordoned off and then I, I held it as I flew around and did video of all the booths uh, at their request as well and gave them the uh, footage from that uh, gratis to the chapter. But the other thing was that I was then asked to do a presentation on drones uh, last June as part of a virtual conference. So there was uh, four of us presenting, and um, I think I had the highest sign-up rate. And so that was really helpful. So um, being a member uh, gives you access to present periodically, um, as, and you're recognized as an expert, and you're also a colleague in a way, because there's a prim the cheaper way to do it is as an allied member, if they have that available. And they did change the rates um, before I joined in 2018 to make it cheaper and more um, accessible to, to uh, allied people and also based on the size of your company. So you might want to reinvestigate that and see if your local state chapter has a better price. And if not, you may say, look, I'm a solo practitioner. I can't afford to join at the same rate as let's say Pella Windows or Marvin can and does because both of those competitors are part of our chapter. But there is pretty active core group of allied members. And so I think that um, it, it's a, a contingent of organized non-architects so that we kind of get to know each other at these various meetings. It also allows you as a member to go to um, open houses and uh, to network there, to do studio tours, to meet with architects in their offices. And again, it's a priceless opportunity because they're there showing off. They've got food, drink, wine. Everybody's a little bit happy and they're open and receptive to, to talking to you. And it doesn't have to be a sales call. And so I really think, again, hanging out with people, it's like going to the bar at a conference where everybody there is part of the same industry and you kind of meet and greet. You're not selling anything. You're establishing a relationship in a different way. And you also can be seen as the expert by being invited in to, to do these talks. I actually have one follow-up comment to that, if you don't mind, Alan. Yeah. Um, I I shoot mostly construction. I, I need to get back into doing architecture um, and really love that as well. But construction has kept me busy and paid a lot of bills. And so that's where I've been. I actually got very involved in the um, Nevada Contractors Association. Um, and there are other contractor types of things, subcontractors. Um, and there are actually, there's the general contractors and subcontractors, and on occasion, there are some architects in there, but all of those people need photography as well. And that membership also is expensive, even for allied members. What I did is I approached them to become their um, uh, event photographer in trade for membership, and that has worked very well. Interesting. So if you're looking for a way, that might be an in. Thank you. I'm um, here on this. Um, I'm, go in ahead. The, yeah. I'm in the DC market and um, 
and found my AA membership not to be very valuable, A, because it was expensive, and B, because there already were a lot of other photographers in there. So I was a member for a long time and didn't really feel it was beneficial. But to support everything that Carl was saying, I belong to the DC Building Industry Association, which are basically architects and contractors. And I am their only photographer member. So what didn't work with AIA has worked with something else. So the exact same thought process. Uh, and I, I would stress committee work as well, because, you know, all of a sudden I'm sitting around a, a conference room table and everyone in the room is an architect or a contractor. So, you know, what better way to, to one-on-one get to know people? So I would, I would say that where you really want to get FaceTime with people and, you know, you're doing it every month and you're doing volunteer projects together through them is, is do committee work as well. Okay. What, what about the idea of, of actually going and, and doing, you know, making sales calls and asking for appointments and doing portfolio reviews and that sort of thing? Does anybody do that now? Is that a part of business anymore? It's I've not for me. <laughs> well, I've done it in a different way. I've yeah. done it in a way... Um, so I've done it in a way to actually just introduce myself. Okay. And I do know a lot of people in the industry here because how I did it, like Linda, um, I went a step further. Um, I did their magazine and I did it free annually, oh. giving me the door to all these people. So then I would just go in and then I would uh, show them my portfolio and that's how I would get the jobs. Um, Show them, you know, my degrees, my portfolios and everything. And um, slowly it opened up a lot of doors for me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, When my wife used to rep me actively, she, she would have a leave behind. And, And if you, you know, from years ago, if you've been in the business long enough, you remember that a leave behind was a big deal. You know, you had to, you had to have that with your business card and, and, and something that was um, pretty sensational visually to leave behind with people. I think that's still a good idea mm-hmm. is to leave them with something tangible that is big enough that it's not going to land in the garbage and that looks valuable enough. Uh, I mean, I had special envelopes made and all kinds of things so that it looked like it was a really special one-off piece even though I had hundreds of them made, but uh, that was a really good tool because some people would keep that in their files for years sometimes. And then when the need arose, out that came and I got the call. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think uh, that, you know, calling in person, well, it's a little bit difficult now, but hopefully that will change. But, but making those in-person contacts, I think is invaluable. And as, as Tula said right there, that there are some, um, inroads to be made just with a little bit of uh, ingenuity in the way that you approach those things. So I, you know, congratulations on that. That's great. Anyone else? No, I, I got a question for Tula on that. Did you said you create um, uh, like a magazine or something like that? And well, the Calgary Construction, um, they had the magazine and uh, we had a deal. I would go around and I'd shoot their projects um, their people for their articles. Mostly the people is what I would shoot, the project mm-hmm. in the background, because they would talk about the project and usually they would talk about either the construction manager or the architect. And that would give me, you know, the end to talk to these people. Got it. Plus along with that, I would get myself a $3,000 full page ad in the oh. annual magazine. 
Nice. So really you get, you know, you get paid pretty good with that. Plus you've got all these extra connections, but with that also, it doesn't mean that every single one is going to hire you because a lot of them, they look at the budget and, you know, we've got a lot out there that are kind of giving it away. So some of them will go with that. Um, They'll get in trouble and then they'll try you. So you kind of, you just got to have to juggle it and see where it's good to waste your time or spend your time. Um, But usually uh, my better ones came from me bringing in a portfolio. I would sit down with my portfolio and just spread it out. And another thing you can do, which I used to do is I would um, investigate who is the client, what buildings they've had. I'd shoot one of their buildings I'd actually frame it and leave it with them. Yeah. That's Thank clever. you. I think there's some other, uh, as, a, as a tangent to that, I think there's some other things that we can do, bringing recognition to potential clients that might be favorable. I've been in a lot of situations where I've tagged somebody who, who was involved in a project but didn't hire me for the project, nor did they license the image of the project. And I've gone ahead and tagged them or submitted that project to a magazine for publication. And all of a sudden they're getting attention and they know it came from me. And so I'm, I'm now, um, you know, a, a really nice guy in their eyes. And that kind of spins off into some new contacts and new clients and some extra work and uh, ultimately some new licensing. And I've got one of my major clients that that was exactly the way that happened, where I was doing work not for them, but uh, they're a construction company, but for an architectural firm that they worked with rather closely. And in drawing attention to the projects and naming this construction company, I then became somebody that was on their radar where they were getting attention. And so it benefited me in the long run, you know, just another avenue that doesn't cost anything i've definitely done that in the past i've even had um projects that um you know parties have said they don't want to participate in cost sharing and then you know afterwards been you know including them in all the credits Mm -hmm. um, all the tagging and everything i think they see that kind of as a nice gesture um and i've had um it was particularly a tile company that the same interior designer used them again the next time and the next time they uh, did participate in cost sharing after last time kind of being included. So um, I think that's a really good strategy. Yeah, it's worked really well for me on you know any number of clients. So I highly recommend that. You feel a little bit cheated when you start doing it, but it does pay off in the end. Um, let's talk about websites because I think that is our really our primary vehicle for marketing. Um, most people, when they are looking for a photographer, they don't have prior uh, relationships in place, they're gonna go for on the web to look for a photographer. Now, I, some of you may have seen the post that I did about how much traffic we had uh, on the AIP website in February. It was uh, a pretty astronomical jump and the bandwidth was incredible to keep up with that, but, uh, we had like 180,000 unique visitors to the AIAP website. 
um, we typically have had about a hundred and it dropped a little bit during COVID, but we were about that hundred to 110,000 unique views per month. And to jump to 180 uh, in a in one month period was pretty spectacular. But what that tells me on the backside is that they're clicking through and landing on people's websites, which have to be compelling enough to get them to contact that person directly, uh, which is all of us that are on there and uh, try to make that uh, assignment or get pricing or whatever that is they need to do. And so I'd kind of like to get your feelings about what makes an effective website. Uh, I was hoping that Lincoln Barber might be on this call. He's a, he was a website designer, but um, is there anybody here that has, has any ideas about what really makes them stand out on their website or what will make someone stand out? Thanks. So. If I may, um, for mine, I just updated mine and I find I'm getting more traffic. Um, they need to see the projects like right when they land, not search for them. So your homepage has to be, has to be the most appealing to them for them to go to the next page. So your best projects, your best work, everything has to be right in front of them. And then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll go further. Um, I, you know, I designed I, yeah. this website that I have now. Sorry. Um, I designed it on my own because I couldn't find anything out there that would work. So finally, I got something that I'm happy with. And I'm finally starting to get some activity. Okay. Again, yeah. Have any of you gone to the extent of actually having clients give you feedback on your website? Tell me what I could do better. What needs to change? It's a scary proposition. I've done it. It's not, it's kind of painful, but it's very helpful. <laughs> I, I found that there's some elements that, that really need to be in place uh, for an effective website for photographers. And what, and as Tula said, the, the first thing is they need to be able to see your work and see it well. And it has to be in a good resolution. That means that you, it's optimized for, you know, all, all different screen sizes. Uh, especially mobile, but uh, in our industry, that's not necessarily the primary use. In fact, we found that it was not the primary uh, type of uh, user was was a mobile. It, most people are looking at uh, our work on a desktop machine. They need to see it quickly and it needs to be easy to navigate. Uh, that's the next one. And with that work, it needs to be, you know, what back, harking back to what Carl was talking about, about portfolio reviews and that kind of thing. Uh, those were painful processes for those of you who were, were in ASMP. And um, the, the, the takeaway from that was always just show your best. And, and then from the best, you know, filter it down to the best of the best. And so we don't need to show everything that we've done. Um, I have a section on my website where I do have recent projects. And if I have a, a project that I think is worthy of showing, I, I put that in a different section and it's, it's a new project section, but my portfolio, if you really want to see the best of what I've done, that's how I've got it organized. And I don't have a thousand pictures on there. I've narrowed it down and filtered it down significantly from what I started out with. I think that one of the things, Oh, I heard back the most when I 
ask for feedback was that I had too much on there. I had too many images on there. It, and then it was not easy to navigate to the place where they could contact me. So I fixed that. Uh, that's another thing that I hear uh, often from people who are photography buyers is that it's hard to get to the place where you actually contact the photographer and how to do that. And so that's, that's something else that I'd recommend that you take a, a hard look at. And then it doesn't hurt to have content on there that's valuable to a photography buyer. We all know that we have a lot of photographers looking at our websites, but I would, I would recommend that that's not a market that we need to serve. And so let's have content on there that's useful for to photography buyers, whether that's white papers or, you know, things such as a, uh, a checklist for a photography assignment, a pre pre shoot checklist or something like that, where we give them some information and help educate them just a little bit as to how to have a better experience with an architectural photographer. And then that call to action about putting a contact form on there, you know, tell me what you need and, and send it to me and I'll make it easy for you to get a quotation and there's no obligation. So those are some things that, that I've found to be valuable. And I, I want, has anybody else got some input on that as to what needs to be there and what shouldn't be there? Thoughts? I mean, oh, sorry. The song going to say something? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Norman. Um, I mean, I know for me, um, my website is very simple. I, I actually used to do web design ages ago during like HTML2 and when CSS first started. Um, so I like things very simple, very easy to navigate. And for me, my website's very image based. Um, so anytime I've talked to someone that specializes in like SEO, they're always trying to get me to put more language on pages. So I know for me, that's been a struggle of um, trying to, and I haven't done a good job of it, um, trying to shoehorn stuff in there, like you're saying about having more copy to help with your SEO versus just kind of keeping things simple um, with photography. But, you know, I'm in Rhode Island, so it's maybe a smaller market. So I think when people look for Rhode Island architectural photographer, I do pop up because I've got a decent number of clients so that have found me on Google. Um, so if folks haven't really talked to someone that specializes in SEO, I, I would definitely recommend that. I think it's been very helpful for me. I agree that it was a revelation to me when I found out from somebody who was expert in that, what really needed to be on my website to push my ranking up. And it's not just great photographs. So um, that's the last thing you need for that. Exactly. Disappointingly. <laughs> I have a couple comments. One is that um, most recently uh, it was recommended that on on your each uh, web page, uh, including your homepage, landing page, that you have your contact information and also have the button that will take them immediately to uh, a form that they can fill out and contact you directly. A lot of times, people have a um, you know on their about or on their contact page. Uh, they should have a photograph of themselves, and sometimes it populates automatically an email, but or a form. And the feedback I got from one consultant was that um, the people they talk to often want to see your uh, email address, and they want to talk. You know, they want to be able to reach you email, text, and telephone quickly, and without filling out forms and specifying all the information. Um, 
that you may be seeking kind of in advance. Um, the other thing is as far as uh, reviewing websites and, and such, um, like Photoshelter and Squarespace um, are the two ones. And Zenfolio, I use all three for different purposes. But uh, like Zenfolio does a weekly portfolio review. You can submit your website and have it expertly critiqued by the founder of, of Zenfolio. And he's pretty spot on. Um, and I'm wondering if uh, what what platforms anybody else is using uh, other than like their own WordPress custom site and if they are happy with it or not as far as a, a, a template system and a uh, host. I could uh, comment um, a couple things that I've learned actually from Zenfolio and uh, Zen's uh, his critiques. One is uh, try not to use the same photograph twice. Uh, you're you're thinking that the that although this particular photograph is really great, that that should be shown twice. Uh, you're really you're insulting the viewer, the the person who's going through the through the work, taking a look. And then beyond that, also um, try to limit yourself unless you're doing, as Alan had said, uh, a most recent project where you've got several shots of the same uh, building, for example. Uh, try to limit not, not, not making it uh, more of a viewer diagram of, of just one building. Uh, you know, try to at least scatter it out. If, if you're if you're doing that client list, I would say is very important and also show them by name some of the projects that you've done. That kind of gives them some ease that you do have some experience. To, uh, to Carl's point about some web suppliers that uh, are happy with or not happy with. I redid my website last summer because, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of else to do last summer. <laughs> and mine was mine was woefully outdated. And I was going to use Photofolio, which was recommended by a wonderful machine. Uh, but when I got right down to it, I really hated Photofolio's navigation buttons. They were clunky to me and, and not smooth at all. And um, someone that had that had came recommended to me and had templates that I liked and navigation I liked was Photobiz. So I ended up going with them. And I and my one reluctance with Photobiz was that uh, they're very retail photography center they're not commercial photography center mm. and uh and i have found that to be a detriment with them and i've talked to them about this from time to time and and they're like oh no we get commercial photography but honestly they don't they just don't and so you know their seo suggestions are they'd be great for a retail photographer nothing against retail photography it's just not what we do so in all honesty i haven't been real happy with photo biz and when my year with them is up i'll look at at probably switching to Photofolio since they did come recommend it from Wonderful Machine. Um, and I and I have a, a question for you on that, Carl. You mentioned that you've been dealing with them. I've been uh, talking with them off and on over the last couple of years. Did you find Wonderful Machine to be a valuable resource for you? Yes and no. Um, I I was a subscriber to them, so I was paying $179 a month for probably two years. Um, one of my... Uh, Board members, uh, ASMT Connecticut had who shoots, um, doesn't do architecture and interiors, but is more of an event photographer or very high end event photographer and, um, you know, people portrait lifestyle type. Uh, she got tons and tons of work through, um, the portal that, uh, Wonderful Machine operates. But for me, I got zero 
jobs out of it. So it was just a big expense. Where I did find them of value is um, in the resource in terms of web edits and consultants. And I did get a 20% discount on the pricing on that because I was a, a, a monthly member. And they mm-hmm. do vet you. So there is a sense of achievement if you are accepted in as one of their you know, vetted photographers. And I will say that when I joined AIAP, um, I started getting calls and jobs from all over the country for regional, like I did in New Hampshire. I did, uh, I got serious inquiries. Actually, we were going to shoot in Long Island, but then the train station forbid me to go there and shoot. So that I canceled. But there's been a number of referrals that I've gotten directly, I think, from this website um, that have turned into thousands of dollars worth of work. So I find more value being here than I ever did with Wonderful Machine. Oh, that's not a paid endorsement, but it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. I There was one of the major architectural photographers in the DC market was represented by them for a long time. And then I noticed that he wasn't anymore. And, you know, that to me says, well, if this was working for you, you'd keep up doing it. Duh. So um, anyway, thanks. So I think they're great and it depends what business you're in, but I really don't think it's of great value because I don't think architects tend to go there. I think they tend more to go to, or it's been my experience, like they go to AIAP. IP? AIAP, yes. <laughs> AIAP. I, it's, it's a hard, it's a tongue twister. I don't know why. It is. But, yeah, uh, it's a great site and I appreciate your creating it and, and, I will say that these um, monthly meetings are invaluable and I'm so glad you started doing them because then you learn so much from your colleagues. Um, so this is priceless. Thanks. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate that. Um, I have a former assistant who um, is is one of the higher ups in wonderful machine at the point at this point. And he's a great guy. And I talked to him early on about this and I have nothing against Wonderful Machine. I know that for some people, it's just an amazing situation. But he, in all candor, told me it's not really a good fit for architectural photographers and did not recommend that I go down that road. And so I, I appreciate his honesty with me in that they they do some wonderful uh, work for people. And there's an endless number of people out there trying to promote photographers but it's a tough niche, I think, to promote the architectural photographers um, to photography buyers. Uh, there's a lot of sites that get attention from photographers looking at other photographers, <laughs> but that doesn't translate into dollars. And so um, all of our attention and all of our marketing, you will probably never see as far as the AIAP goes, because we're targeting people who actually have the ability to hire photographers. And so the direct marketing, the direct email and that sort of thing that we do is all to have verified and vetted photography buyers. And SMPS comprises a big chunk of that, as do marketing directors for a lot of the AEC type industries around the country. We don't market too much outside of the US. The focus is the United States primarily. Uh, because that's where the, the bulk of our membership is. But there are some other things that happen. And there are some um, journals in the UK, which, you know, give us good press from time to time. And, and I love that. But um, 
our focus is still on photography buyers. I just wanted to talk for a moment and let's kind of switch gears if we could for a moment and just talk about the role of social media in your marketing. I'm curious to know that if there is a, um, an actual benefit that anybody's been able to quantify from being on social media, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or um, you know LinkedIn or whatever, are, are any of those platforms actually bringing you business? I would have to say LinkedIn is for architectural photographers. Okay. So what I've done with LinkedIn, I do pay, pay for the premium mm-hmm. because I do like to know who's looking at the ads. Yeah. Um, my whole connections there are all construction people, construction managers, the people that we that hire us for photography. And I do post there and I've had quite a few jobs um, message me. Mm-hmm. But what I did find works very well is when I post a project and I actually tag, actually tag the company. And I also say, if you've worked on this wonderful project, tell us about it. And I get so much going on there uh, on some of my posts. And, you know, it, the more you activity you get, the more they see it. But I have had success with LinkedIn. Facebook, no. Instagram, I, I wouldn't even go to those for that. Um, but LinkedIn, yeah, I post my awards. And especially if it's a client's building that has won an award, I always post that one. And I always tag them. And if anything, LinkedIn. Thank you. I, I agree completely with what you just said as far as LinkedIn goes and and uh, that being the platform for our industry. And what you said about engagement, uh, putting in there something that that solicits a reply or a comment, yeah. uh, the exposure becomes exponential with something like that. It gets to people that you normally would never be able to contact or have exposure to. And that just continues to help build your brand. I use a a product called HootSuite, um, H-O-O-T Suite. Um, It's a free service if you have uh, only up to three different uh, social media platforms. And it allows you to post things and calendar them so that they roll out. And so maybe once a month, I will calendar a week or two weeks or three weeks of posts and then I'm done and I don't look at it again. And I, so that it's not consuming my time. And honestly, I don't know that I've ever gotten a job based on somebody seeing me on um, Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. No, LinkedIn. Absolutely. But uh, not the others. I definitely found clients on Instagram. I'm surprised that, Hmm. I would say more so than like just from my posts, um, I message prospective clients on Instagram. Okay. Um, and I think the response there is better than just like cold emails or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram messenger, I think is like, for me is invaluable. Um, cause who, who's ever posting to that social media account? Um, you know, is the person at that firm that's going to respond to an email or the marketing person or someone you'd want to get in touch with anyways. Um, and a lot of times those people are more apt to communicate than like a principal or something like that. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's, that's a good point that you made there that that's actually the person that's probably going to contact a photographer. They yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is, <clears throat> may I ask, is anybody else using uh, MailChimp? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it, it didn't work very well for me. Yeah, so far it's worked out well for me. If as long as I keep it, keep it informational, that I'm that I'm trying to share information about how how something is done or how something could be done, uh, then then it seems to to elicit a lot more than just shooting out a Mailchimp uh, message with with photographs of, of a particular assignment, for example. I think that goes back to the brand building and the education process that I talked about earlier. That This kind of reinforces our brand with people. I use a different service. It's the same kind of concept. It's a direct email. And my blast goes to um, many thousands of people who are verified photography buyers. And some of them may hold on to my emails for a long time before I hear back from them. But with every blast, I do it only quarterly, but with every blast that I do, I usually end up with three or four assignments as a result of that. So it works out very well for me, but I can't just do it as look at a pretty, you know, this is a pretty picture look kind of thing. It's got to have some content to it. Yeah, Carl. Exactly. Alan, how did you build your mailing list? Did you, yeah. did you buy any of the contact information or did you do it organically by having kind of a, um, you know, a sign up on your website? Um, I've done it both ways. Um, I have bought lists and I have had people uh, do email scraping for me to create lists based on some pretty specific criteria. Because I just don't want everybody that's a member of AIA or everybody that's a member of ASID. That That's not going to work. They have to actually be a decision maker with regard to photography. Having a sign up uh, email form on your website is going to take, you know, get around all of those problems. And, uh, I don't have one on there right now. Um, but when I have had one, I would get, you know, a couple hundred people a month who would want to be on my list and have me email to them. And those of them who had an obvious photography email address, I didn't add, <laughs> <laughs> But those who didn't, I was happy to put on there, and that's worked well. So um, direct email I do once a quarter, and it always brings in work, and it's it's been a good vehicle for me. Dale, did you have Are some? you using constant yeah. contact? I use benchmark email. Yeah. Oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, Dale. Yeah, that was my question, which uh, service you use. I've been doing is just on my own, and mm -hmm. uh, I do it quarterly as well, which generally uh, rings in some jobs, um, but uh, I'm in a very architectural photography rich market in Seattle. Yeah. There's very good photographers and all the big firms seem to have already had a really good relationship with uh, one or two. So a lot of my clients are smaller clients and I get a lot of jobs by referral. I should say I've gotten a lot of good referrals from AIAP website too. So that that's right. worked well, but a lot of stuff said today is really hopeful. I'm going to look into it. My, unfortunately, my web designer passed away, so I have to find a new web designer or not web uh, guy. Um, I've been wanting to update my website for some time, but 
really good suggestions. I really appreciate this forum today. Thanks, Dale. You know, one thing that I uh, heard from a, a colleague of mine who's actually in the portrait and wedding industry is that he's actually uh, got a college intern that's putting together his new website. So this is someone who needs to do this for college credit, but they're also in a position where they they know the newest and the latest and the best, and they're able to put something together for him that's going to really work well, I think, and uh, both on a design standpoint and for an SEO standpoint. And it's not costing him anything, and it's benefiting both he and this intern. So I've had a lot of interns in the past. I don't, uh, I haven't done that for several years, but interns have been a really good source for me, for uh, people who were really well qualified to work with me and they gained a lot and I gained a lot and it was a really good relationship. So just another thought, if you don't want to spend $10,000 on a website, maybe there's somebody that would be able to do it for you for college credit. One last thing I'd like to bring up and that's brand building and brand consistency. And I hear this a lot from uh, at people in the marketing and advertising industries. I don't know that the people that actually buy our photography are really well tuned into this. They're learning it and they're, they're learning it more and more, but building a brand so that your, your website and anything you send to them is recognizable is really important. And it kind of starts out with some help from a, a good graphic designer to put together your brand identity. And then sticking with that so that all, all of your materials that you send out and all of your communications from your website, to your business card, to whatever, all work together. And we know from the successful companies in the world today that brand identity is a huge part of that. And once that gets tampered with in any way, then the company seems to suffer from it. So a good investment in some good graphic design would would really be helpful for a lot of us. I invested early on with a designer and it was more money than I could afford at the time, but it was worth every penny. And I have not changed that basic design uh, model um, or platform for 30 years. And so when people get something from me, they know immediately who it's coming from. And they recognize my work based on that brand identity. So I think brand identity is something that we, we tend not to think too much about. But I'd recommend that it, it, it's going to help build awareness and keep awareness among your clients and potential clients if you go that route. Anybody else have thoughts that uh, we ought to consider before we wrap this up? We're, we're at the top of the hour now. Anything else from anybody? Okay. I think this uh, is uh, one, yeah. yeah. One quick thing. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this in our last meeting, but um, I had discovered a, a rather massive infringement uh, by a, a, not a client, but somebody that worked with some of my, uh, a num quite a number of my clients. And I'm happy to report that I got, uh, without having to retain a lawyer or go down any legal road. Um, I got a really nice um, check in compensation for the, Good for you. All the usage. Good for you. And uh, 
it was just a matter of basically just called them up. Um, and I said, you know, Hey, I noticed you're using this stuff, um, all over the place, including on your website, social media as the background page for a lot of the pages on their website. And I don't recall ever licensing this to you. Um, what can you tell me about it? And they said, Oh, I uh, didn't know we had to. And do you want to meet in person or by zoom? And I said, uh, I'd love to meet in person. We set up a meeting for the next day. We ended up spending three hours together. The first hour was a kind of portfolio review and talking about projects that um, I had done in the past that were in common with what they had done. And so that we talked about possibly licensing the new projects or, or the current projects. And then the next hour was about talking about upcoming projects. And then the last 20 minutes was basically going through the screen grabs that I had on my iPad from all of the infringements. And there was like 70. Um, and then I presented them with an invoice. You know, a couple of days later, I got an email that said, uh, the check is, is being, you know, processed right now. Uh, let's talk about the new projects that we're going to do. So I think I gained a client. I have sent out like 18 projects that I've already shot that they may want to pick one or two or three pictures from to license. And I got a nice big check um, in compensation for the past use. And it was an innocent infringement. And I knew that. And I said that. Thank you, Carl. I, it's great. You handled that very well. And I, I applaud you for that. I'm not that kind of guy. And I, <laughs> congratulations. That probably should be a monthly meeting because um, there's a thousand little things in there that could be expanded upon. Absolutely. And educating people about licensing, I think, is um, one of the most important parts of this industry. I, I think yeah. you're right. We had the last, you know, our last meeting last month was about cost and license sharing and, uh, and copyright. And I think there was enough feedback after that and enough questions that came in that a second meeting is certainly warranted. So I think we should probably do that. And I want to thank each of you and hope that you have a wonderful week. Meet us back here next month. And I'll put that announcement out and that invitation for our next Zoom meeting. And in the meantime, please submit your topics for discussion. We'll let you know what comes out on top. Thanks to everyone. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Good day. Bye. This has been another episode of A Photographer's Life. If you've enjoyed this program, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. A Photographer's Life is brought to you by the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This episode is copyrighted and may not be used in full or in part without the written permission of the AIAP. Please join us again soon for another inside look at the world of professional architectural photography.